Well, God bless you. Welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. We're going to be in the book of Ephesians in this session, and we'll be in chapter 4. But before we get started, let's go ahead and pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we bless you. Oh, yes, Father, we bless you. We bless you in Jesus' name. We bless you, Father. We thank you for the Holy Ghost that you've given to us. And we thank you, Lord, for revelation that comes to us uh, through uh, your word and through the Holy Spirit. Father, fill us with wisdom according to your word, and we'll give you praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to be looking at verses 17 through 24. And we're going to be looking at the gift of Christ, but we're going to be looking at two things in particular. We're going to be looking at the sevenfold guilt of the sinner, but we're also going to be looking at the sevenfold justification of the righteous. So let's go ahead and let's read this passage of Scripture. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 17, says this, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus." that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now, let's go through this uh, passage again. Notice that Paul is writing, he's writing to the Ephesian church. Now, the Ephesians were Gentiles. Uh, they, the, the city of Ephesus was located on the coast of Asia Minor, which would be Turkey today. And he's telling them, now in the first three chapters of Ephesians, it's a, a, a doctrinal, a positional truth of who they are in Christ Jesus. And then beginning in verse 4, 5, and 6, he talks to them at, as uh, concerning the, uh, the practical life of the believer. And so he says here, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord. So he's speaking on the Lord's behalf, not to walk as the Gentiles walk. We are not to walk like they walk. We have been come. We have come out of darkness. We have been translated into the kingdom of his dear son. We are in the kingdom of light. So we're not to walk like we used to walk. Well, you know, as well as I do in a lot of areas, that takes time takes time to develop, takes time to mature. But Paul has set down here uh, just seven things is the reason why the sinner's guilty. Well, we, you know, we ask ourselves, well, why, why is a sinner going to, if he doesn't receive Christ, why is he going to die and go to hell? Why is he going to be judged? Well, uh, because his life has proven that he's guilty. The reason why you and I received Christ is that we had to come to that place of repentance, and that means we had to realize that we were guilty. 
And see, the sinner has to realize before realize that before he gets born again. And then he lists seven things that uh, the sinner is guilty of. He, he's guilty of the vanity of the mind. We'll go over these a little bit uh, and deeper. Uh, he has his understanding darkened. He's alienated from the life of God through ignorance that is in him. He's, his heart is blindness, the blindness of his heart. Uh, he's past feeling, and he's given himself over to lasciviousness. He's given himself over to uncleanness. All that is past. That's all of our past. Remember what, uh, what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Talking about our nature. Amen. We have a new, we have a new nature now. We don't have the old nature that we had when we were a sinner. Now, there's a lot of things we bring over in, uh, from the netherworld that uh, we hang on to for a little while after we're uh, born again. But uh, the more we spend time in the Word of God and in prayer, see, this is the great damage that's done to people who think they get saved, they get baptized, and then that's all they have to do. No, uh, there's a lot of growing that needs to grow on, and pastors need to uh, encourage and urge their uh, newborn baby uh, Christians that are in their congregation to start going to Bible studies and 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 get under discipleship classes and and begin to understand what it actually is to be a Christian and what a believer in Christ is to do. So he lists these things, but then there's also seven things that uh, that the, the, the person that's justified uh, characteristics or things in his life that God puts in there uh, through the new birth, through the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's just go through these first. Let's talk about the sevenfold guilt of the sinner. Now notice, notice what Paul said in verse 17. That we are not to walk. Now, walk is our practical life in this world. Paul said it this way. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. To live in the spirit is who we are positionally. To walk in the spirit is what we do practically, how we walk out our faith, how we walk out our experience. And so he's reminded the Ephesians that they are not to walk like they used to walk. Or like the Gentiles walked. Really, they're not Gentiles any longer. Now that they've gotten born again, they've been translated out of the world of the Gentiles, and now they have been translated into the church of God. So Paul says this, that they are not to walk in the vanity of their mind. Now, to walk in the vanity of the mind means to be totally devoid of truth. And when we say truth, we're talking about God's truth. We're talking about revelation truth. We're talking about the truth that we receive from the Word of God, we receive from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will always lead us in line with the truth. And He will always bring to remembrance the things that Jesus has taught. If we're reading through the Gospels and we're spending time in the Gospels and we're meditating things in the Gospels, that's the Word of God getting down into our heart, getting down into our consciousness. 
And there will come times in prayer when we're praying for a need or we're praying for somebody else that uh, that word, the Holy Spirit will bring that word that we have meditated, that we have learned and heard, uh, bring it back up to us. Why does he do that? Well, he wants us to pray according to the will of God. Amen. So the sinner is a devoid of truth. He doesn't have revelation truth. He doesn't start to receive revelation truth until he's heard the gospel. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Amen. Praise God. And so Paul also says, he says their understanding is darkened. In other words, their minds are blinded. If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded their minds through unbelief, lest they should see the light of the glorious gospel and be saved. You know, uh, Jesus talked about the conditions of the human heart, and he talked about how that there was a a ray side. He he likened to the, the parable, likened to a sower going out to sow the word. And the sower sowed some by the wayside. And Jesus said, these are they that when they hear the word, uh, they don't receive it. They don't open their heart to it. They don't want to hear it. They close their mind. They close their heart to it. And so the seed doesn't penetrate into the soil of their heart. And so that gives that gives Satan the right to come and to take that seed away from them. Amen. So. Uh, when we're talking about the sinners, their understanding being darkened, we're talking about them being blinded. And the only thing that's going to enable them to see is the gospel. And that was the mission that Paul, that Jesus sent Paul on. He said, I'll send you on a mission to open their eyes. How did he do it? He do it. He did it through the gospel to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light. See, the gospel provides the light that they might receive forgiveness and turn them from Satan to God, that they might receive forgiveness of sins. A sinner has to turn from Satan to God. Amen. Now, that's that's repentance. That's conversion. Amen. He realizes, you know, that not this life, I, I'm a sinner, but I need to be saved. That's what happened to me that Wednesday night so many years ago. I realized for the first time when I heard the gospel preached that I was a sinner, that I had no hope, that I was without God and I needed Jesus if I wanted to have eternal life. So their understanding is darkened. But now also, Paul said this, they are alienated from the life of God. In other words, they're shut out. The life of God is not in them. They are standing outside of the plan and the purpose of God, and that is for everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. God doesn't desire any to perish, but that all to come to repentance. They have to acknowledge the truth. And of course, what we're talking about here is we're talking about what is required of the sinner in order for him to be saved. He needs to be delivered from these, this guilt and from these sins. So he's alienated from the life of God. Now, the life of God is Zoe, Zoe life, life as God has it. And that's the life that lives in every that resides in every believer that has received Jesus Christ as Savior and as Lord. So 
the sinner is alienated from the life of God. He's shut out from the life of God. Uh, he cannot have any fellowship with God. He has to develop first a relationship with him. And once that relationship is established through Jesus Christ, then and only then can he have fellowship with the Lord. But that's not all. He's also guilty of the ignorance that is in them. And that ignorance translates into moral blindness because his heart is blinded. His mind is blinded to truth. And so his mind is open to do whatever he wants to do. Every evil in the world he has the potential of doing. And it's just uh, maybe his upbringing or some, some type of morality that is that uh, shows him that what he's doing is wrong. But the more he does it, the more he gets used to it. I, I've, I've heard this and I've heard people say this, that the first time that they got into something, they knew it was wrong, but they went ahead and did it anyway. And the second, the third, the fourth time they did it, didn't even bother them. That's moral blindness, moral blindness. Amen. And it's this type of spiritual blindness that uh, creates moral blindness. We're talking about the spiritual blindness in a person's heart. Because he's shut out of the fellowship of God, he's shut out from the life of God. Because he's blind in his heart, he's also blind in his mind. And so there is a blindness in the heart of every sinner. And the, the next thing is that the, the sinner is guilty of past feeling. And that means he is insensitive to pain. He is insensitive to conviction. And there are people that are hard. You know, somebody said years ago, it takes an average of seven times a person hearing the gospel before he understands and receives Christ. I was raised in a church. I, I, used, I would go to church. I would hear the gospel preached, but it didn't resonate with me until that Wednesday night. So a sinner's past feeling. He's insensitive to pain. And he, he uh, is insensitive to conviction. It takes the power of God. That's why the gospel is the power of God, because the gospel breaks through uh, that, uh, that insensitivity uh, to uh, the things of God. And then, of course, the seventh thing is that they've given themselves over because of all these things, because of the vanity of their mind, their understanding being darkened, their alienation from the life of God, the ignorance that is in them, the blindness of their hearts, and because their past feeling, they have given themselves over. In other words, they have been delivered over to Satan and to the things of this world, the God of this world. That's who the sinner's God is. It's Satan. It's not Jesus. And then uh, Paul reminds the believers, he says this, Remember ye, you were without Christ. You were alienated from the life of God. You had no hope and you were without Christ in the world, but now in Christ, see, but now in Christ, you've been justified. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And there are seven things that uh, we can thank God for, that we can rejoice in. A sevenfold justification of the righteous. 
And Paul lists it here in the last part of this passage that we're studying. But ye have not so learned Christ, we could say, but you've learned Christ this way. To learn Christ means now we have the understanding. We have the spiritual understanding. The door of our heart has been opened. The Holy Spirit, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they've come into our spirit. Now, the, uh, our spirit has become the temple of the Lord. Now we're able to receive everything that God has for us. So we have learned Christ. Well, what does it mean to learn Christ? Well, it means to cast our care over on him. It means to come unto him. If we want rest, if we want peace, we come unto him. That means we draw nigh to him and he'll draw nigh to us. Hallelujah. And that also means by drawing nigh to him, we're also resisting the devil and that he runs from us. Praise God. Amen. So all the promises of God now to us are yes. Amen. We come to him. We go to him for uh, not just for salvation, but after we're saved, we go to him for healing. We go to him for peace. Deliverance. We go to his word uh, to have a sound mind. We go to him for wisdom and understanding. You know, there's prayers in the book of Ephesians that we need to be praying for ourselves and for our family. That God would grant unto us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. That our hearts would be flooded with light that we might know what is the hope, what his hope is in us, praise God, what the hope is of his calling, what he's called us to, praise God, that we might know that, that we might know the riches of his grace and his kindness toward us, have true fellowship with him, really get to know uh, who Jesus is. I like the 23rd Psalm. And, you know, when we read through the 23rd Psalm, there's 15 times that David writes either I, me or my. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me. Hallelujah. And going all the way through uh, that Psalm 15 times. Well, why would. David writes such a psalm like that out of experience. Where did he learn that the Lord was his shepherd? Out in the fields at midnight watching the sheep and seeing God's care, his protection. Hallelujah. All those years he was running, 20 years he was running from Saul. Saul could never get to him. David knew it was God's hand on his life that kept him from all evil. Praise God. Well, see, over the years, he developed that kind of fellowship. Hallelujah. Amen. So we have learned Christ. And we've learned Christ. Why? Because we've heard him. He's been teaching us. He teaches us through his word. He teaches us through anointed teachers. He teaches us through the fivefold ministry. He teaches us through the Holy Spirit as we open up the word of life and we begin to read it for ourselves. We have learned Christ. We have heard him. Oh, I tell you what. He has opened up our heart to hear. And the third thing, and we've been taught by him. We've learned, 
We've heard, we've learned, and we've been taught by him. The spiritual truth that comes to us by revelation. Amen. And that's the that's the power of the word of God. Because when we're reading the word, even though our mind is taking in, there is that spiritual power that's in the word of God that brings us revelation. The word is alive and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It's the word of God that divides between what is spiritual and what is soulical. There are so many people that say things and do things out of their soul that really are not of the spirit. But now the word of God divides that. If you have a situation and you're presented with this certain test, well, it's the word of God that uh, that will prove to you and show to you that uh, this is not the right way to go. This, the word will show you the right way you are to go. And so uh, you can depend upon the word of God. I know many of us, we get caught up in this emotionalism. We think all is well, all is great, all is wonderful. But it's not. God has a better way. Even though in our mind we say it's right. No, no, God has a better way. He'll divide that which is soul from that which is spirit. And we can know if we'll spend time with the Lord, we can know exactly what his perfect will is. Isn't that what Paul said writing to the Romans? And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might know what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God is. How do we know that? We know that because we've spent time in the word, renewing our mind, finding out what God's word has to say about it. And really that whenever we're presented with a situation or a circumstance, that's always the first thing that we should say to ourselves. Well, what does the word of God have to say about this? And when we find out, we go with the word. And see, this is just how the Holy Spirit and how Jesus through the spirit teaches us. We hear him. We learn what we've heard and we're taught. Amen. We hear him. He teaches us and we learn him. We learn Christ. Well, how do you learn Christ? You learn Christ through experience. Through spending time in the word spending time in prayer, walking through some things with a steadfast faith that's not going to fail, that's not going to crumble in hard times. Hallelujah. Notice how the first three things of the justification of the believer have to do with being trained. Hearing, learning, and being taught. And then the fourth thing is that we acknowledge the fact that the truth is in Jesus. That not only is the Savior revealed, but the Lord, his Lordship is revealed. His love is revealed. His, uh, he as teacher is revealed. He teaches us, praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. And we shall know the truth and the truth shall make us free. And then, of course, with all these first four qualities or characteristics of, of the person that's justified, 
you know, hearing Jesus and and being taught by Jesus and learning trees and learning the truth that it is in Jesus. Then what? Then we put off the old man, the old manner of living. We get rid of it. We cast it off. We cast off the former sinner. We're no longer a sinner. We're saved. We're born again, child of God. We've been justified by faith in him. We are a believer. Hallelujah. And so those things that that uh, we may have brought off from the netherworld, we start putting them off. The closer we get to Jesus, the farther we are from the world. See, that's why so many people that call themselves Christians are so carnal because they, they don't want to turn loose of the world. But if we want to move closer to Jesus, that means to get closer to him means we move farther away uh, from the world. So we put off the old man, the old manner of living. And we do that. How we do that? Well, going back to the first four. You know, we, we hear the word. Uh, we're taught the word, the Holy Spirit or a teacher over us teaches us the word. Then we learn. We learn Christ. We learn him through the word, but we also learn him uh, through experience. Just getting to know him in prayer and in meditation. And then we put off the old man. Well, there has to be an action on our part in order for us to put off the old man. And that is the sixth thing. We are renewed in the spirit of our mind. We are renewed in the spirit of our mind, the spirit and the mind. Praise God. We perceive and can perceive, perceive the spiritual divine things. We're able to do that now that we're born again. We can discern the, the things of the spirit, the things of the word. And these things affect our thinking. They affect our mind. Hallelujah. And of course, the seventh thing, then we were able to put on the new man, which is clothed in righteousness and in true holiness. Righteousness and holiness. These are two things that uh, are present in us after we're justified by faith. We have become the righteousness of God in him. And of course, righteousness then opens the door to holiness. There's things we begin to clean up in our life. There's things that uh, that we brought off, brought over from the netherworld. We start uh, looking at them. We start knocking them off. We start putting them to death. Why? Because we want to please Jesus. There's a love in our heart for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. And we want to please him in all things. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, I tell you what, this is a glorious life. Yes, it is a glorious life. Hallelujah. But you know, God's not going to force us to do these things. We have to be willing to. And if we truly are born again, we truly are willing to do these things and to be like Jesus. Hallelujah. We're introduced to the love of God. That's the thing that just I couldn't get over. I couldn't. When I first got saved, I could not in my mind comprehend how God could love somebody like me the way he did. But he did. Hallelujah. His love just won me. Praise the Lord. 
And so God, he come, the God of heaven, he comes through faith and he moves into our heart. You know, he knocked at the door of our heart and we opened up the door by faith, by believing we opened up the door. And through confessing, calling upon the name of the Lord, we entered in and we were saved. Praise God. That is such a vital truth for us today. And that same process works today, even if we've been saved 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50, 50 years. It works the same. God's truth always prevails if we'll believe it and if we'll put it into practice. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your word. Your word is truth. And we believe it, Father God. Hallelujah. And we walk on it and act on it, Father God. And we give you all the praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.